Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Ladles and jelly spoons, boys and girls, welcome to the 10K Collective Podcast, the place to be for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers. Today, we've got a, a subject that is genuinely exciting to me and it may not sound exciting to you, but stick with it. We could make you more profits and stop your business going bang, as in, in completely going under from lack of cash. Now, that's a reason to stay listening, I think. So today, we're going to talk about increasing your profits with cash flow and sales tax planning with Alan Chen from freecashflow.io. Alan's a certified public accountant, as in a chartered accountant equivalent in the US, and one of the founding partners of freecashflow.io. And they are focused on online and e-commerce business owners. They've got combined 20 years experience. Alan's worked at Ernst & Young, so the real deal, seriously clever people. So uh, um, fantastic topic as well. So Alan, warm, warm welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you so much, Michael, for having me on. It's a great Pleasure. opportunity. Thank you. Yeah, I'm genuinely excited about this. You know why? Because I just think this is the missing piece. There's so much noise about PPC, Facebook ads, and branding. And those are really important topics. Of course they are. But this is so neglected. I don't even know why, because the most important, the serious business owners I know obsess about cash flow planning. And the ones who are struggling have no clue about their numbers. And I think there's a big clue there. So... First thing, just give us a tiny, a quick intro to yourself. I mean, we've we've said the basics. Just just fill that out in a, in a minute if you need anything. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, thanks, thanks so much, Michael. First, for the great introduction. And um, like, my name is my name is Alan. As I mentioned, I'm a certified public accountant here in the states, here located in Los Angeles, California. And our agency is basically we're very focused on one niche and one niche only. That being. Uh, online business and e-com owners, right? Where we're laser focused on these guys. And that's an advantage for um, our, our clients because it gives you that feeling and confidence that we know what we're talking about. Everything we do, our knowledge base is on just this topic. And we basically offer a what we call an all-in package where we take care of all your sales tax, tax planning, your bookkeeping, and any kind of compliance and back-end valuation, financial planning needs. And we, we call it all-in package because I think the typical, I would say, tax accountant, right, or just someone you hire, will just do your taxes around April 15th uh, deadline and they kind of disappear. But for us, we see ourselves more as your outsourced CFO where we're always there in the background. If you ever have a question, you come to us instead of Google, right? You don't have to Google any, any more answers and get confused. You come to us and we'll, we'll, we'll give you the, the, the right answer. If we don't know it, we go and research it. We have a great network of you know professionals in this field that can um, really step in and, and help you guys out too. So that's where we see ourselves. And, and, and it's, I really think, Michael, it's a really needed thing in the space, right? I, I actually did a little bit of Shopify last year. I started a store. And it was it was it was an eye opening seeing a lot of these questions about these guys who are you know doing business doing well right six seven figures and they would just ask very simple questions in the forums about you know taxes and hey I haven't filed in a couple of years what do I do hey is there penalties and they all it's like a it's like a nightmare to them that they haven't thought about it but they just scale so fast so we thought wow you know these guys we we really need to, need to help these guys out and educate them more in this. Makes total sense. And I think uh, you're right that I've seen in the Amazon space. So you were in a sort of parallel, but very, very similar space that again, there's uh, people 
can ramp up the sales figures, particularly in 2020. It was a crazy year for e-commerce. It but was. at any time in the last few years. I've been in this game since 2014. At any point, you could say you could see massive revenue growth. But revenue is just one number <laughs> in a whole host of numbers, right? And, and no, people get yeah. very, very focused on just one number for a long way time. too focused revenue you, yeah. you see like little screenshots right where they're just yeah. like hey I, I cracked this number but yeah. well, how much profit did you actually make yeah right? yeah yeah exactly and the thing is that i think at some point people realize it but they kind of realize it in a in a panicked emotional kind of bad state of mind as opposed to seeing that coming and and i really i really really think that you guys are right to to observe this problem i just think it's the biggest problem out there is people with revenue and no idea what's going on in the business plan, actually. <laughs> so let's get into this. The first thing I want to talk about is working capital, which is a very technical kind of sounding word, and cash flow planning. And, and those aren't sexy words to some people. They are to me because I believe massively. I didn't used to. And I now, from experience, working with some amazing sellers and some mediocre sellers and some downright terrible car crashes, that the difference is <laughs> understanding this stuff. So let's just dig into this. I think it's seriously important. But, but first of all, what on earth is working capital in the first place? Why does it even matter in e-commerce? Yeah, I mean, working capital by itself is a very, I would say, simple formula or calculation you made, right? It's just the amount of money needed to finance the gap between your disbursement, which is the money you pay to a supplier, whoever, you know, give you inventory and receipts, which is payment from your customers. And why it matters for a lot of e-com owners is they have they have this gap, right? Especially, I would say, on the Amazon FBA side where you need to, you know, bring in large amount of inventory, right? And that inventory usually comes from, from my experience, from overseas, from somewhere like China or maybe one of the southeastern countries over there. And, and, and the problem is, and I also faced this last year when I was doing it, is your money gets, your cash gets tied up in this inventory, Right. Think about it, how the slow freight system works from China. Like I, I remember when I was, I was trying to ship like rose bears. That's one, one, one of my more popular products when I was doing Shopify. And I, I would I would buy I was I think it was like five thousand units and my money would have been tied overseas for over two months. So that's money you can't use for any other purpose because it's literally on a boat. And it's slowly coming across the ocean to you, and that that's a problem, right? That that is that is work that is negative working capital for you because that's cash you can't use to um, you know carry out your other obligations that you have in your business. So you know companies that don't manage this very well and have poor management of inventory and receivables, they face a very stagnant growth in their business, and some sometimes it may be more negative consequences where. They really just have to shut down the business because they just don't have the cash flow to keep to keep 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 their business going, keep their business going. So it's it's something like 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 Michael just mentioned is not very well known term in ecom. I have never heard anyone mention it in any kind of form or any kind of setting, but it's just so important to to be able to calculate and, and to know the financial health of your company. One of the questions you get every five seconds on a, a Facebook um, group somewhere in an Amazon world, anyway, is absolutely you can put money on this. In fact, I would if I had a pound or a dollar for every time I'd seen this, I'd be a rich man already, which is how much money do I need to start a private label business? And the answer, I believe, is the working capital requirement is how much money, right? Because if you just if you do drop shipping, we can right. talk about the cash flow of these things in a minute. But if you drop ship, the answer could be zero on, I guess, a little bit to set up your Shopify store. But, yeah. you know, and and if you're going to order something that costs um, $10,000 per shipment from China and it's going to be on a boat for three months and it takes you <laughs> seven months to sell it through, the answer is going to be much, much, much more. And this is, uh, it's weird, isn't it? That on the one hand, there is a very 
very, very common question, the commonest question, an extremely good question. And then there's the working capital on the other side. And somehow people just don't put those out there. And it took me several years to dig. I hadn't even heard the word working capital until I was working with what is now the owner of an eight-figure business, was seven figures when I was working with him. And that was the first time I even heard the term. So it's obviously, yeah, much needed. So if all you take away from this this podcast is an obsession with the word working capital, folks, I think you will be doing well. But let's go a bit further. Yeah. So how do we calculate it? That was the thing that also took me about two years to get the answer. So let, let's not give that, that horrible experience to anyone else. How do you calculate the working capital requirements for a product line or even the whole business? Yeah, so so it, working capital, like I said, it's very simple for me. It's really taking what you ha- what you call your current assets, right, and minus your current liabilities. So for for a, I would say an ecom or online business, that can be your 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 trade receivable plus your your amount of inventory that you have minus whatever you owe your outstanding trade payable, which could be you know the amount that you owe to say you know your supplier or your vendor, right? And a lot of time, what you have to do to manage this formula, I would say, is basically how fast can you collect, right? How fast is the payout of whatever net of, you know, whatever platform you're on was being Amazon payout or, or Shopify or um, we can e-commerce. I know some people are on and how, how, what is the obligation of your trade receivable, right? Can you work out a good deal with your supplier or do they need you to play immediately? Right. A lot of cases that may be the case where you have to prepaid your, your inventory, which means like, like scenario I was, I was going into Michael where I, I, my money was tied up into it right but then but as you're growing you may not want that case to be all the time you know as you enter the seven to eight figure mark you may have more i would say leverage over your supplier where you can say hey i i need more time to pay right i need more financial leverage where can i do net 15 which means you have 15 days from the 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 invoice they may send you to pay or net 30 or net 45 the longer you can push and get that gap of times where you where you need to pay your financial obligation it's just going to be a better scenario where you're going to be falling under. So you you kind of want to look you kind of want to look at both sides, your payout plus your obligation timeline to really determine how healthy of a business you have and how long you can last with your cash flow, you know, through due to months. And that's that's part of the reason why you do financial planning and, and forecasting. Amazing. So let's just make sure that we've nailed any of the technical terms because we're throwing a few around there. So receivables, assets, liabilities, and payables. So let's just make sure we've nailed those for those who are a bit unfamiliar with financials. Receivables means what? Receivable means any kind of money that you expect to receive in, like, into your business, but you don't have at the current moment, right? Okay. So you can think of it as you invoice, if you're running an agency, you invoice a, a client, hey, you need to pay me $2,000. But then they they whittle noodles. Ah, I'm gonna I'll give it to you next month. Don't worry about it. Ah, I'll give it to you two months later, right? Well, <laughs> that's not good for your business. You don't have to cash yet. You may be like, oh man, I'm gonna report this as my revenue. I made two thousand dollars, but is did the cash hit your bank? No. Yeah, okay. And that's that, that's what you gotta what you gotta see, right? So you you haven't received the cash. So to keep it simple, for anyone who's who's selling on Amazon, that's basically going to be 14 days worth of cash maximum, isn't it, before they then pay it out to you? Okay. Then payables, I'm guessing, is the opposite. Can you give us like the simplest definition in the world of payables as well? Yeah, payable is any liability you have, right? Any anything that anything that you owe money to another person or another vendor for. So it it usually is say if you're if you're bringing an inventory, it's probably your your bill, right, for that that cost of that inventory. You know, if you're doing a lot of shipping, it may be the postage or the, the postage that you have. You owe to the shipping company, right? Mm-hmm. It's any money that you owe 
that's on your books that you haven't paid yet. You haven't paid yet, which is a, in a way a good thing because that means the longer you can hold that payable, is it's better for your business, right? Because your cash actually physically haven't gone out the door. To pay yeah. That so this is one yet. of those counterintuitive things that I'm realizing with working capital requirement that debt is good, which is kind of one of those things that most of us, I know that in America, there seems to be a very big religious thing. And I'm not going to discuss religion or politics on the podcast because then it goes off the rails, but <laughs> it does feel like there's a strange resistance around debt this is sort of moral thing there's a fear thing but actually it seems for me that working capital implies that you want to actually owe people money because it means you have more cash in your bank <laughs> so, it does it does yeah. surprisingly it does you you can think of it as just you know wall streets right or any any anyone <laughs> that's that's you know made it really big and they, they talk about how much how much cash they're hoarding because really and really no matter what period of time cash is king right? Cash is king. You want to hold that cash as long as possible. It's, it's and the reason why people think real estate is such a great investment, right? And it, it is in a way, if, you, if you're able to leverage someone else's money to buy this house, right? Like here in California, housing prices gone through the roof these days, right? Especially post, post uh, pandemic. So a million dollars is probably like the standard where you can buy a house here for. And, but what you can do, right? You, you're not actually putting a million dollars down to buy the house. What you're doing is maybe doing a down payment of $200,000, and you're borrowing the rest of that money to a bank if they're willing to give you that money. And that's part of what part of financial leverage is, is you're, you're using $200,000 to buy a million dollar asset, right? And you're doing that because you're able to use that financial leverage and you're saying, I'm, uh, you gotta give me 30 years to pay that back. You gotta be a 30 year mortgage. And that's, that's a great deal in a way, right? As long as, as long as you can keep the interest rate under control, which right now in, with the Federal Reserve and the, the way the world is, it's very, very low, which is why the housing market is so competitive in the US. I'm sure it's having some, some of that effect in the UK too. Yeah, well, I guess, you know, LA and London are probably some of the most expensive places yeah. in the world for real estate. I mean, <laughs> it would street, be too I mean, there. I mean the, the houses around me here, they're, they're probably going for, I guess, in dollars, I don't know, $4 million or something. That's Four not million. typical. But yeah, yeah that's go. not typical for London. That's this area that I'm in. But yeah, it's, yeah. So, okay, good, good hint for people that should they run off and do property and leave e commerce. But for coming back to e commerce. Yeah, I got to um, diversify, Michael. You gotta diversify, uh, yeah, you got to diversify. But like coming back to e commerce, let's just make sure I'm very wary of leaving technical words out that without explaining them those who are more sophisticated business operators will be going okay but if we need to if let's be let's be honest that some of us don't know what these words mean even though they fling them around at at, uh, drinks parties assets (laughs) liabilities let's just define those as well let's make sure we're clear what is an asset in this yeah it's an an asset i would say use anything that's of value to your company right so you you can think of it as of course cash right inventory and of course, any kind of accounts receivable, which, as you mentioned, is money that someone else owed to your business, right? Is uh, usually the common category of that is. But then there's also things like fixed asset, right? Which is any, you know, tables, chairs, furniture, anything that you always as a value, you usually put on the books. Sometimes it involves intangible things, right? If your business is very popular and you have a trademark or a logo or something that else is worth money, you will also add that to your, on your asset side. Yeah. liabilities is the complete opposite of that it's everything that you owe uh, you owe someone else right to that you have an obligation to pay someone else for so you can think of that as of course your, your trade payable or any, any money that you owe to a vendor right any kind of vendor any money that you owe because of a software that you owe to someone else any loan that you took taken out from a bank right like a loan payable where uh, you had to pay back a loan so it's typically any kind of money that you have a future obligation for to pay down for a business. So you that and the working capital formula is, is simply taking your, your current asset with current meaning anything that you have um, a year or less 
in uh, a life on and minusing by current liabilities, which is anything that you owe money to someone else within that one year, right? We have a one year term. And then that will get you a number. And usually it's usually it's hardly ever zero, right? It's hardly your exit level is perfectly zero. It's usually going to be, you know, above, above water, which is positive, or you're going to be have a negative number, right? Where your, your, your asset doesn't cover your liabilities, which is, which is not good, which is something you need to evaluate in your business. That's the case of, well, what, why is that the case, right? So it, you kind of need to look at, at that as a, a good, I'll say status check of your business to see that where, where are you? Are you in a good financial health in your business or are you more in more trouble and you need to really dig deeper and say, in the next 12 months, am I going to stay this way? Or is this a temporary uh, state of being because my business is seasonal, right? Where uh, maybe in Q1, Q2, this is what happens, but I, I always recover in Q3, Q4, and then that's just my cycle. But but it's something you got to look at and not that, oh, I, I think that's the case, but I, maybe in Q3, Q4, you're, also, you're still in that same you know red state, right? You don't, you don't want to be, you want your screen to be blinking red. That, that's usually not a good... So <laughs> I guess what we're talking about are items on a balance sheet, right? So if you've been trained like, a, and this is the other thing, a lot of profit and loss... Is, is the only financial thing that if you're lucky, it gets talked about in Amazon world. Normally just revenue, but really sophisticated profit and loss. What you're just mentioning, I guess, are balance sheet items, right? So that kind of implies you probably need to sit down with an accountant and get a balance sheet made, I guess, right? Is, is that a fair statement? It, it would be, it would be. And I, yeah. I, I, would, I would just caution, it depends on what stage of business you're at, right? If you're sure. just starting out your Amazon business, I would say just focus on growing your business. That's always the number one goal of a founder or CEO, right? Don't don't focus sure. on, on tax and compliance yet. But as you approach six figure, I would say, you know, anything above like 250, 300,000 a year in revenue, you should probably pay a little bit more attention because there's a lot of obligations there, not just with, you know, the bookkeeping side. Of course, there's also a lot of tax implications there where, you know, you have this obligation, you have the government, which a lot of people don't focus on, right? They don't, they don't see it. They just see their bottom line and say, oh, that's probably the money I'm just gonna, I'm keeping. A lot of cases, that's not the case. There's this <laughs> whole tax piece, which is actually one of your biggest expenses, if you may, right? That can be in the US as much as 35% of your of your of your profit possibly of your of your revenue really right depending on how you how well you do your tax planning so something to always keep in mind and and then of course you you want to kind of just also focus on your business side right the whole thing about working capital requirement and whole thing about cash flow forecast is not any because anyone require you to do so maybe during your exit someone may require you to do so but for it's for really your own purpose you 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 got to be you got to be the master of your business and you got to have the grasp to know that you know you got to know if your business is going to last, right? If you're serious about e-commerce, if you're serious about growing an Amazon brand, these are just these are just like the baseline numbers you got to know. And if you're not someone that's very, like I would say, financially uh, astute, yeah, I, I would hire a professional. I mean, I, I think part of being an e-com and what I've gone to is <laughs> you kind of go, you kind of do everything, right? When I was just a one-man show, I was the website guy. I was the product ordering guy. I was the customer service guy, right? And then you get overwhelmed because you're just you're just kind of involved in everything. And I think the last thing you want to do is also be the tax guy for your own business, right? So sometimes, and I'm sure a lot of people who have made, made seven, eight figure do do this, they go and hire someone who's very talented, who's very good at say, I don't know, email marketing, right? Or really good at running Facebook ads. And they said, you go do this. I'm gonna keep focusing on growing my business, discovering new product lines like a CEO should. And you go do that and because you're good at it. And I, that's why we, I want to caution a lot of, you know, guys who are doing seven, eight figure is you may want to also do that for your, your financial planning and your, and your tax stuff, right? Go hire someone who really understand your business, who can really help you, you know, get back what I call some, your, your tax revenue, your tax profit from it, because it is another stream of profit to maybe not pay 35 to 80% and only pay 15 to 20%. 
that's another ten percent you're keeping in your business, and that's yeah, that's, that's no huge. that's no small dollars, Michael. When you no. think about a seven eight figure guy, right? Like yeah. just, you can do some mental math in your head. That's that could be a good fifty thousand more that you're keeping at the end of the day. So yeah, that's huge. And and the other thing to say is that when it comes to percentages, again, people get extremely confused that you add ten percent of your revenue to your profits. Okay, but if your profit was only 20%, your pre-tax profit was 20%, let's say your net profit, so after everything, including tax, let's say that ended up about 15% of your revenue. If you add another 10%, you've almost doubled your profit, the money that actually goes into your pocket. So yeah, that, that it's these are huge savings. I, I think that the difference between 15 20% sort of effective tax rate versus 35 is just monstrous. That that could be the difference between you getting yeah. your Ferrari and just living in a pretty <laughs> house. I mean, it's really quite big. So coming back to the, I mean, tax needs aside, which is huge, but we're going to talk about in a minute. Let's talk a little bit more about the financial planning piece. So just to reiterate what you were just saying, because nobody forces you to do your financial planning, whereas tax, at least, at least, it sounds like a funny thing to say. The good thing about tax is we're at least forced to do it. If we didn't have that tax, I mean, nobody wants to pay tax, but if we didn't have to put out a tax return, we wouldn't be forced even once a year to to look at the numbers. And if you're like me, you know, naturally what you do is once a year, your accountant gets in touch with you, you do your numbers. And then for the first time, possibly months behind, you go, oh, I'm spending way too much money on X, where X is normally something like PPC or advertising often. (laughs) And then you realize very late. But what you're saying is, I guess, you have to actually take responsibility to get ahead of it and, and stay on top of it. So I guess the basic thing, which people have probably talked about, is is bookkeeping. I'm not going to get into that there because I don't find that personally very sexy, but I guess it's got to be done, <laughs> right? Let's talk about yeah. how do we project forwards, though? For me, the interesting thing is when I've even with a new business where there's no revenue yet, how do I try and see forward to answer questions like how much money do I need to run this business or how much money I'm going to have at the end of next year? Can I afford to take an owner's salary and quit my day job or go part time? Questions like that. So how do we do the basics of projecting forwards and answering questions like that? Yeah, that's a great question, Michael. And, and that's kind of part of the cash flow projection that needs to be done. Right. So. You know, part of an e-company is, I, I know, I know, Michael, you mentioned bookkeeping is not very sexy and it's not, and I get it. And it, it, that's why, you know, we, we kind of take the, the boring part away from the business owners and our clients is, but, but the thing is it has to be done, right? If you don't have clean bookkeeping, if you don't have a, a chart of account, which is uh, what a chart account for those who know known is basically a way to categorize all your expenses into the right bucket, I would say. Right. So then you have, you know, all your meals in one place, all your office supplies in one place, all your PPP, PPC expenses in one place. So then you can kind of categorize and know how much money you're spending on each of these categories and how much of it is affecting your revenue and how much you're affecting your bottom line, your profit. Right. Because at the end of the day, profit is key. And without knowing all these facts of, of your current state, it's very difficult to have any kind of accurate forecast going into the future. Right. If you don't know that you can depend on your current bookkeeping, your this month's bookkeeping, or your this quarter, you, you you're not gonna have very good data. Right. It's forecasting is all about having the right inputs and the right data points to know what's in the future. Right. What, what forecasting really is is just a game of using your historical context. So however much how much long you have you have been in your business, it's better. Right. You, you if you have been at least a year, that's great because you have to have a year of cycle of cycle changes. Right. Going up and down in your business to kind of look through and say, okay, if my business grow by X, right, 2X, then will my, will my expenses all just stay the same? Because that is, is that a fair assumption? If my business grow by 2X, is my bottom line going to be the same? Or 
is there some increases I'm not going to be aware of and I'm, I'm not going to catch, right? Because, you know, my inventory cost could be, could be a lot higher because shipping, shipping, you know, two tons of goods, it's a lot more than one ton, or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe I'm getting a, a bulk discount. Hopefully you guys are, if you guys are doing even more business, you're getting even better per unit cost on your inventory. And same with inventory, same with uh, like doing like ads, right? Pay ads, paid ads. Uh, like it gets, it gets out of control sometimes, right? You do a lot of testing. You, you test this one, you test this one, and then you, you see which one works for you. But it get the, one of the I think highest costs on a, 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 a lot of econ business we've seen is going to be that piece, right? And we do a lot of what we call uh, met, metric ratios. And, but then we don't only do metric ratios because we only focus on online businesses. We compare your books to other similar econ businesses in the field. And what that does is you get the advantage of knowing are, is your books in line? Is your margins looking good? And if this person's getting XX uh, deductional tax credit, why can't you if you're in a similar industry? So you get that, you get that big data look of businesses because you're able to do that comparison. And with that, you're able to do even more of an accurate forecast, I would say, Michael, where you can look 12 months and say, you know, I have all these other businesses who are similar to mine who are able to also forecast these numbers out and say, this is, this is what I need to be making also, right? But then mm-hmm. you also know that if you're falling behind at any point, right? So then you're able to see that, you know, every month in my ending cash, is that what can what 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 do I need first of all is do I survive in this business as operating right and whatever's remaining outside of operating hopefully that is your kind of your cash reserve where you can do anything you want with right that's what we call your the owner's treasure you can take it out to be your owner's draw right you can go buy that Ferrari that I'm sure Michael wants to and <laughs> or you can also you know reinvest in your business or diversify as we mentioned buy real estate if you want to buy stocks and bonds right or buy a different business even, right? Like if you wanted to get in, if you're in the nutrition field and you see the fitness is the next hot thing, you maybe want to use that cash to do that. But you got to know if that's a fact that you can use that cash, right? Without knowing that fact and just, you know, seeing a number, Michael, in your bank account. Oh, I, got, I think I have, I have 100,000 left. Don't, don't, don't do that. <laughs> don't spend <laughs> yeah. that money and buy another business. And then you realize you can't support your, your, your next year's run and your business because you, you didn't do any forecasting. You didn't yeah. know that you need to keep at least 30, 40,000 to buy the next round of inventory. Yeah. Right. Because your Absolutely. payout is, isn't fast enough to catch catch up to it. You never yeah, want to I'm, be in that, in that position. It's I, I feel like a lot of movies like they play this up. Right. Of a yeah. business who was very successful and then they just burned down and they're living on the streets. Yeah. Don't don't be like that movie scenario. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't be you know? that person. Well, don't the, be that the person. Joking apart. I mean, I've been around this space for yeah pretty much seven years now. And there's a lot of people that have come and gone in that time with with businesses and, and the ones that talk about revenue a lot yeah generally they kind of come and then they go because there's a degree of luck in this thing as well but there's luck plus skill is you know real entrepreneurship right i think the luck without skill (laughs) generally goes up dramatically and then sometimes very dramatically straight back down as well so i guess we're sold on the idea of of needing to project things so i guess like property you you because most of us property or real estate as you call it in the states i guess is more familiar it feels to me like the comparisons thing that you mentioned is interesting to me because most people tend to project forwards based on their own data and and that's good thing to a degree but obviously if somebody's been in business for like one year and they've sold maybe three whole product lines and the thing with amazon particularly i mean shopify harder to do but possible i guess is you could probably sell three four five product lines i was speaking to somebody the other day he's doing amazingly well and I think he just mentioned, maybe it was off air. It wasn't really a discussion point. He's only got eight product lines. I'm like, wow, you're getting to $4 million run rate with eight product lines. 
that is not a very big spread of products Impressive. from which to then, you know, extrapolate data. So the idea of comparisons to similar businesses makes a lot of sense to me. And obviously you guys do this in a very sophisticated way for your clients. Is there a way in which people can do that for themselves to some degree? To some degree, yes. I mean, I guess there's two levels to this, Michael, right? The first level is if, you, if you're a guy who has eight product lines, I would actually just try to do a breakdown of those eight product lines, right? That, that's also what we, what we help our clients do is that we look at each product line as its own uh, profit and loss statement, as its own PL, because we want to see of that profit line, how much did, you, did it cost for you to buy it? How much did it cost for you to get this item in? What is the packaging cost around it? And all, all those other things, right? What's your Amazon, what's your exact Amazon fees, storage fees, if you may, related to that product? And then how healthy is that product going? And we look at, you know, your, your inventory turnover for that product. We look at the health of that product. Is it going to be something that the market demands over the next 12, 24 months? And then we, we take each of these as its own kind of entity. And we say, look, you have eight products, but actually, let's say you only have three winners from here, right? You only have three products that we feel like the market is going to keep accepting and keep growing. And maybe it's also your strongest because your, your profit is actually the strongest for three. And the other five is actually dragging your business down in a way where it's actually pulling down your net profit. And you actually don't want to keep those going. You maybe want to go and discover other, other five products that may be better, right? You all, never want to be in a situation where your business is not not doing healthy because you have you're selling a certain product it's actually not profitable you're just breaking even like why why spend effort doing that right and then on on the second level of course the the comparison part that that I think you just need to if you're just if you're just a solo you know Amazon FBA seller maybe go and network right with other Amazon FBA guys right I think last week I just attended a ecom conference and it was a great opportunity to meet other ecom owners and you kind of just chat and talk about your business right you can kind of say hey how many products are you selling? How profitable are, are you? You know, what do you know your profit margin is? And those are little questions you can, and tips you can kind of gather and be like, oh, they're doing 20%. Why am I only doing 15? What, what am I doing wrong? When, what, how can I improve, right? So that, yeah. I think networking is a big, big key in that. But uh, otherwise, uh, it's usually, it's not a, it's not the, you know, the most pu- public topic, I would say, Michael, to say, hey, how much money are you making? I was going to say, straight yeah. Up, straight up and ask that, right? And then they might, they not, might not be willing to challenge your, their good buddies with you or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one thing I would say just on that point is that I something I do know about quasi, I suppose, at this point, experts and overused word, but certainly I've done a lot of masterminds that I've run now over the years in the e-commerce space. And one of the reasons for being in a mastermind is so that you can actually share information like that. That's, that's very commercially sensitive information. If I were at a networking event, I would not talk to a guy twice you asked me what my profit margin was what my gross margin whatever but actually these are critical questions and i want to know the answers so having a trusted space within which to do that i mean the 10k collective mastermind is what what we have as it's sort of hidden by the microphone but we've been running that for three and a half years now and it is really valuable for somebody to sit there because we we had in a in mastermind in the past i've had somebody who's very similar revenue maybe like 1.2 million dollars between two businesses, one of which has got a 5% margin before tax, before tax, which is pretty before sad. Mm. And the other one is 29%. Unlike, it's Huge really difference. striking difference. Huge the, difference. It's really important. I mean, I've, I've sat there and literally kind of tried to point out to the guy with the 5%, like, yeah, this is possible. This is what you're doing. Hint. <laughs> like, go and make it <laughs> no, more profitable. No, that, that's exactly it, Michael. Yeah. That's exactly it. You, you, that's the kind of hint we give our clients too, right? They, everyone think they're running a very successful business. Everyone think that they're doing well at the moment, but until you do that, that market comparison or to your peers, you don't actually know if you're doing industry standard, right? Yeah. And you, you got you to gotta cut, cut the fat, right? If, if yeah. you have five product lines that's not bringing in the, the profit, like they're, they're, the five, they're the 5%, right? They're the 
net profit guys, you, you don't want to keep that inventory. Like Amazon storage fee is expensive, right? Yeah. It's, it's, you, you don't want to have this sitting there and burning you money, burning your operating expense down. Yeah, absolutely right. And and I would say, by the way, I've worked with some businesses that have more like a thousand SKUs on Amazon. And oh, wow. in that case, you need to do a serious bit of analysis. And But some of them do. Like I have clients, it's very rewarding when I have clients and I say, go and do X and they go and do it. They do an 80 20 analysis. And normally I've found that, you know, if, if you have say 300 products on Amazon, normally 10 of them are doing most of your profit. It really is exactly. 95 five a lot of the time. So absolutely, you cut the fat up. Uh, yeah, here, here, as they say in, in the UK Parliament, here, here, cut the fat, for goodness sake. <laughs> so let's talk about the cash flow projection thing. So we, I've got a listing here, a list from our, our conversation before when we planned this. Three things to look for, operating, investing and financing. What, what does that mean in ordinary English? How do we sort of start to get our head around that what we're trying to you know yeah and, and, and i just, just want to premise this where like you most most companies starting out don't need something this i'll yeah. say complex right just want to just want to run run that most companies out there they probably only need the operating part the operating Fine. part is like 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 the kind of word is is basically your operational cash in your business right what keeps your business going and you can think of it as the, the simplest terms like we have mentioned is just cash coming in from your from your customers and to pay out from Amazon and the timing of that and any kind of money that's going out of your business right the other two is things that you as you as you get to a seven to eight figure business you may have and may be starting to invest in your business investing the investing category in, in a statement of cash flow is basically any kind of investment that you're taking on right if your business has grown to a point where maybe you start you know either branding your product or just creating your own product line and you have a manufacturing line or an assembly plant and you're actually um, investing money into i'll say like capital assets right into property plant equipment is what they call that categories call that's the that's where you put the, in, 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 into investing and financing is any money that you have where you know you know your business is growing you have done the bookkeeping and you know you have a very good profit margin very good gross margin and you know that you can you can do more right it's just that you don't have the cash flow to do it so a lot of time what businesses do is they go take a business loan out, which in, in this way is actually a great tool for you to expand faster than ever, right? If you imagine if your business is doing very well, your inventory turnover is just through the roof. You just can't keep up with it, right? Uh, and then what you do is you just go and take out a loan and you're able to supply an even greater inventory count in, in, in Amazon, for example. Then you can grow your business even faster, right? Because you know your business is healthy, you know all your ratio is positive, then why not take out that loan? And that's what you kind of keep up in your in the financing portion of your cash flow. So with those three combined, if you do, were to do a complete cash flow statement, you get to a bottom where it basically it's just a very simple thing. Cash, cash that you were starting out with, and cash you have at the end of at the end of the day, whatever this maybe you're doing at a year end, maybe 1231, right? 2020, and cash you have remaining. And that number is hopefully have accounted for everything that you, you possibly can pay in and out of your business and what you really truly have as as far as cash that you can use for other other things. It's and it's kind of the name of our business, the name of our agency, I should say, free cash flow. It's money yeah. that you freely can use, liquid cash that you can use for anything you want and in, in yourself. Oh, you spend on yourself, cash. spend on and in, 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 back into your business, reinvest, right? If you have any left. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes businesses, when they grow very big, they actually don't want liquid cash. And I can understand that because they're just hungry and they don't want to keep growing. But I do want to caution, things go wrong all the time in e-com and Amazon <laughs> FBA. The clients change, climate change, you know, maybe they don't, they don't like 
wash their tablets anymore, right? Do people just t- change their taste, right? Or people are becoming more vegan and they don't like meat products anymore. Like you, you, you really want to know the market demand also, the trending of your product also, and that 12, 18 month forecast you're doing, that has to be a factor, right? You can't yeah. just say, I think I'm doing X right now. I'm always going to be doing X. If you do yeah. that, you're going you're, you're gonna to get yourself in trouble, especially if you're in a, in a high cash flow business where you're just using tons of cash every month to supply your business. It just, it doesn't work. Right. Yeah. I, I see, I, uh, I see our client's bank statement where there would be like six, seven figures going in, six, seven figures going out. So just so much cash moving in and out. And then you're left with a smaller number and, and you, you don't want that smaller number to shrink even more because you got to keep those two numbers in balance. <laughs> it's, a little, it's a little bit scary when you don't know them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so just to kind of summarize, I mean, it sounds like the three things, operating, investing, finances. I mean, I, I take your point that operating cash may be the most important focus and investing actually like, you know, buying property or plant is unusual for most people that are doing where they outsource their mm-hmm. manufacturing, which is nearly everybody. Right. But right. I think you know, financing is pretty common. I've seen quite a lot of early stage businesses that are only doing, say, ten thousand, twenty thousand dollars a month that have substantial loans. Now, whether that's advisable is a different question, but they certainly use it. And I would say that the amount of, as somebody pointed out to me last year, okay, if you got a thirty percent gross margin on your profits uh, products after ads, which is quite good. That sounds good, but if your market is growing by over thirty percent a year, as it did last year in twenty twenty you're going to be short of cash, even though you're profitable and you're going to have to get money, either invest it or borrow it. Right. So I think you're right. that That's not an area that we can just neglect for very long, the finance side. And so let's talk a little bit more about, I know that let's skip over some, there's some juicy, juicy topics on our outline here, but I'm going to skip over them because I want to talk about tax because obviously it's not a lovely topic. We always think of it as something you have to do, but you want to get it out of the way quickly. Like, you know, today I went for a vaccination for COVID. I don't want to know about it. I just want it to be done and and over. But actually from what you've said already, there's huge amounts of profit we could take from this. Hey there folks. Thank you so much for listening to today's show with Alan Chen of freecashflow.io. I remember Jerry Maguire years ago and one of the great lines was, I can't remember the name of the hero, the heroine rather, but she says to Jerry Maguire, you had me at hello. So he comes in and tries to persuade her that he loves her and that she should be with him. And you had me at free cash flow, really. To be honest, free cash flow is, I think, the most important thing in business. It is basically the number that gives the value to a business. People talk about profit and multiples of profit, but really speaking, as the great Jeff Bezos himself said, the most rational way to value businesses is discounted future cash flows. In other words, how much money can this actual cash, this asset, this business produce in the future? That is the value of the asset now. That's why people buy properties in the end. They think it's about growth in value, but the growth in value is really driven by the cash flow underneath. So I think cash flow is everything. I'm really delighted that we've had a final sort of deep dive into the topic. It's been really on my mind for a long time is a really critical topic. We haven't had a guest who's really focused on that to the same degree that Alan and uh, Stanford, his business partner, have. So I think this is great stuff to go back over and just get your head around. First of all, this thing of working capital requirements. How much money do you need in the business to run the thing? Um, A little bit of balance sheet, the idea of assets, liabilities, receivables and payables. Just go back and listen to it, get your head around it. And especially in the Amazon or e-commerce context, why it matters so much. We talked about cash flow projections and, and just basically be able to see what's going to be happening in your business. And the fact that clean books are um, 
really critical if you're going to sell your business, but also if you're going to manage it and actually understand what on earth is going on in your business as well. So this is really uh, stuff that's going to require you to get your head around a few concepts, I suspect. That's okay. I'm okay with that because I think we're going to serve you the best as the listener if we really persuade you to take that trouble. And instead of just looking at revenue, look at profit, of course, but instead of just looking at profit, we look at the cash flow and the working capital requirements. Those two words are concepts I think you should become friends with. Alan's a fantastic person to learn from in this space. So freecashflow.io is their site. And there are two ways that they can help you. If you're doing under $300,000 revenue a year, roughly, you're based outside the US, as many of our listeners are, then They have an amazingly good course that clarifies a lot of this stuff for you in the e-commerce context. And you can get to that if you go to amazingfba.com forward slash free cash. That's amazingfba.com forward slash free cash. They have a course there. It's paid for. It's pretty affordable. Um, Really, really useful course. And if you are above the 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 number of three hundred thousand dollars and you're based in the u.s or you have a u.s based entity i should say then the best thing you can do is go and book a call with them and that is at freecashflow.io forward slash book that's www.freecashflow.io forward slash book and that's definitely a, a very useful thing to do i would just say this you know as you can tell that alan is not hard salesman he's very detail oriented and very service oriented i would say like many accountants to be fair to the profession and in that case what you should be doing is just educating yourself i think conversations with experts like alan are really educational if nothing else you'll come away with the right questions to ask a future cpa or accountant should you choose to work with somebody else so if that is you if you're doing over three hundred thousand dollars a year and you're based in the us really strong advice for me go and book a call with these guys. You'll learn a great deal as I hope you have already on today's show. Thanks so much for listening and look forward to speaking to you in the next podcast. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.